Hi everyone, welcome back to our second Talking Bull uh, short or break feed podcast. This is Beef and Land New Zealand Seen and Heard. So um, I'm Aaron Meikle as host. I'm joined again by Bob Thompson from Ag First and Richard Plunkett from Omaru or North Otago. Um, so we've talked in the first one a bit about the, the, the decision making I guess and why bulls or why not bulls and um, why you should farm bulls or the things you need to take into account. And I think one of the things there Bob would be fair to say you said some people are farming bulls and probably shouldn't, or there's some land with bulls on that probably shouldn't, and that may become more of an issue. But generally, bulls are, in your opinion, underutilised or underrated. They they could be used or grown more widely. Well, an opportunity that farmers should consider yep. when they do a whole farm review, and whether or not it's for them or not will be flushed out yep. in that process. Yep. So we've talked about that, um, now we're going to get down more to tactics I guess, sort of day to day management is the second video and we're going to align with wee bit, part of it's going to be talking about systems, how you run them day to day. So Richard, um, maybe just talk about how you used to run the bulls on the place and the changes you made I guess when you've, what you've been out through over the last three or four years with this process, what you saw up north, what you brought back or what you saw on other farms and the improvements you made or the adjustments you made. Um, so we visited about... Uh Four or five farms up in the up in the North Island, from their sales to your techno setup. Um, but as all all were running um, a different system, quite oh, how can I say it? they weren't quite loose, but it's it's adapted to their own properties basically. Um, so my paddocks that I had down home were four hectare paddocks irrigated by canine. So. Mm-hmm. I used to run bulls in mobs of about 30. This is um, after their first winter. And they'll be, I'll be shifting brake fences. They'll be between two wires, so, you know, a reasonably long brake fence mm-hmm. after shift. It was long and narrow. So after seeing up north, I had the idea in my head that I could create um, wider areas by putting in the fixed grid irrigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're 40 there. My sprinkler spacing is 40 by 43. It's sort of, sort of in a triangular pattern, if you can imagine that. Um, so I've just run my fences down. Um, the, the sprinklers are on posts, so I've run my wires mm-hmm. down to create my lanes. Um, so now I've got them, they come down here from, uh, the first lot come down in about August after the winter. Uh, August to September, it depends on grass growth, what covers I have, and they're generally getting, um, it's a, about an 80 by 40 metre mm-hmm. area for two days grazing. Yep, for about 30. For about 30, 30 bulls. Yep. Yep. So what, what's actually changed? You've gone from longer and narrow to a, it's not quite a square, but a, more of a cell, a square. Yeah. Yep. And I was, I was, I did have them the first year we had them there. I had them on daily breaks, mm-hmm. shift them every day, but just trying to uh, lessen the staff requirements. Yep. So that's yep. we changed it to mm-hmm. two days. But then saying that, if they, um, you know, bear in mind they were finishing the first ones, sort of leaving the property to be killed at sort of sixteen months of age um, before that cow kill. So we do have to push them along. So if you know at four o'clock in the afternoon, if they need mm-hmm. to be shifted, we'll pop down there and make sure that they've got more. Yep. And so you run them. You said you split them up after the first winter. So that first winter, you you winter on crop. Yeah. So 
we run them, all the bulls are run as, as well, two mobs. The ones that I buy in mm-hmm. have, are always separate, and that is just biosecurity mm-hmm. factor for myself. Um, and mine are run in one group. Um, so you can get by, so we've got 230-odd. Well, I've got some here for bulls, as calves as well, so they come into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, they you can get to about April, start of May, and you've got to split them up because mm-hmm. they just start picking on one another, so yep. you lessen that mob. The ones I brought in, the 100 I brought in, I've managed to keep them um, as one mob this winter. Mm-hmm which surprised me. Um, so all these bulls have been on fodder beat for the winter. Uh, one, lot, one mob was on grass because the crop was, crops weren't good enough this mm-hmm. year. Um, so my own, we had two mobs of 75 and we had to take a couple out because mm-hmm. they got picked on. So, yep. And then we're still, so I've still got a mob of 100 and well, it's what, the 11th of September now. Mm-hmm and still got 70. So I'll split the 70 up very shortly, two mm-hmm. mobs of 35, yep. and then I'll split the 100 up into right. the 50s. So what have you noticed, you know, the, uh, we're gonna get back to Bob and talk about systems, but the change you made in terms of the, the long and narrow breaks you used to have to the more rectangular type cells, I mean, what, what have you noticed, what's been um, the advantages? The long and narrow breaks were, you know, so when there was heaps of grass, you're only talking 12 paces wide. Mm-hmm. So you'd get a lot of um, walking up and down. Mm-hmm. And as they were passing one another, they didn't like them, well, mm-hmm. then they'd start fighting and riding one yep. another. Um, with that wider area, they're not, there's not that same interaction. Mm-hmm. And it's just giving them that more space. Yep. Um, you know, especially if you've got wet weather. With the long, narrow strips, you know, just you mm. come out the next morning and the whole lot will be black. Where in the, in the wider, they'll just stand up at the mm. corner and not not tramp about the same. So it's... Yeah, it's, cause it, because um, all things being equal, grass cover and mob size, you still must be giving them the same area in total. It's just the shape of the area that's changed. Just the shape of the yeah. area, and yes. Okay. Bob, let's bring you in here in terms of some of this sort of stuff. Um, you, you wanted to talk about systems and these sorts of things as well. and, and we talked earlier, Richard doesn't want to carry many bulls into a second winter given his environment, but, um, and you talk, there's all sorts of names for systems, but I mean, um, without necessarily getting into brand names or the types, what's the, are there some basic rules or is it a horses for courses? What's the, what have you seen? Hmm. So I think first point is to, to make is that Richard is, not doing a whole year system mm-hmm. on all pasture systems. So my experience is with all grass systems. Yep. And so there are no crop involved. So the animals are actually in their system mm. for you know eight to 10 months of the year, mm-hmm. or seven to 10 months of the year, depending on how it operates. So it sort of begs the question, what is a system? Mm. And a system is an area in which you allocate to a mob. And already we've talked about that mob being, you know, the maximum being sort of 50 on a cell graze system um, for R1 bulls and 30 for R2 bulls. So I should hasten to add that the bigger the number of 
your mob, the less number of mobs you have and therefore the less labour. Mm-hmm. So there's this tension between mob size and the amount of labour that's put in. Mm-hmm. One way around that is the techno lane systems, but they are confined to flat areas because mm-hmm. these are long lanes around 30 metres wide and a kilometre long. Mm-hmm. And then the cattle are in lanes um, and they, these lanes can be anything from like 4 to 12 mm-hmm. uh, lanes wide. And so our fences across the front and behind, and they shifted mm-hmm. down the lanes according to whatever the rotation length is. Yep. So that's a techno system. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about systemisation with cells, mm-hmm. because a lot of our sheep and beef farms are hilly, yep. and the possibility of putting in techno is, is seriously limited. So I should touch, I mean, Richard, <laughs> you've got some flats, but most of your place has a reasonable slope on it, where you're yes. running the balls. Yes. Yeah. So you had to adapt, and what the, the classic techno type system wouldn't have worked. No, it wouldn't have worked. No, because I haven't got the, the flat that's not long enough. Yep. So there's a wee distinction. So, mm-hmm. well, not that wee. Um, <laughs> so first we're talking all pasture, mm-hmm. and then and and secondly we're going to now talk about cell mm-hmm. raising. So what is a system? So a system, as I say, is an allocated area mm-hmm. that you would allocate to a mob. And it's a matter of um, deciding about what sort of stocking rate you're going to have, and that'll be determined by how much pasture you grow. And they tend then to range between 7 and 10 hectares, and today we won't go into the arithmetic mm. that sits in behind that, yep. but it, it is a matter of arithmetic. And, and within the, that allocated area uh, of 7 to 10 hectares, um, you're going to have some permanent fencing. And the permanent fencing will be electric, mm. most likely, and would likely to be one or two wire electric, yes? Mm-hmm. And there's some very cool um, technology around um, uh, fencing, um, which could be the subject of another discussion. But there will be between 10 and 20 paddocks, depending on where you live and what length of rotation you want. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, if you wanted to create an 80-day rotation because it took you 80 days to grow pasture cover back mm-hmm. because of your pasture growth profile across winter. And let me say, we're focusing on getting cattle through the winter mm-hmm. and we're talking about bending a feed demand curve against a feed supply curve. Mm-hmm. And so that necessitates us um, uh, nine cases out of ten of reducing our live weight gain so we can run enough per hectare to eat the pasture surplus as we grow in the spring and early summer. Yep. And so we, we have to actually limit our live weight mm. gains, yes? Yep. And, so, and that actually works in with a longer rotation, uh, so the less your pasture grows over winter, the longer your winter rotation. So to put that in a nutshell, in Northland we talk about 60 day rotations, um, on the Rangitaiki Plains in the North Island, between, you know, between Napier and Taupo, we're talking 150 days, and down here we're probably talking 150 days yeah. as well. Yep. So they're much, much longer to get back that pre-grace. So that then pushes us into this corner of understanding about how many cells we need mm-hmm. to grow. So we've got the permanent cells, so let's take a 10 paddock system for a bit of, um, uh, as an example. Mm-hmm. So what we could do with a 10 permanent paddock system is cut that in four temporarily for the mm-hmm. winter. And we put those fences up at the beginning of winter. Mm-hmm. So we're not mucking around all winter shifting fences. You do that at the beginning and that takes yep. some of the monotony of this out of, it, out of it. And so what we do then is we've got 10 paddocks, we cut each of those in four, therefore we've got uh, 40 paddocks. Mm-hmm. And we have a two day grazing policy. Now some will graze them for longer than two days, mm. uh, but my personal view is that there's some animal welfare stuff in this and there's um, 
a spear kind to bulls type stuff or mm. cattle generally. Yep. So, you know, one good day and one average day is much better than one good day, one average day and one real hard yeah, day. Yeah. And so that is the basis of that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, 10 paddocks, cut and four, 40 paddocks, two days a paddock, 80 day rotation. Mm-hmm. If we were to come into a very long winter situation, we may choose 20 paddocks. We cut them in four, we have 40, um, sorry, we have, what have we got, 80, 80 paddocks? Yep. And then we multiply that by two, we've got 160 day yep. rotation, probably quite right on the money mm. for a pasture growth profile that I've seen down here, mm. and likewise up in our more difficult North Island environments, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. So that's rotation length. Now the cool thing, about these rotation lengths is you end up with much higher average cover. Mm. And we end up in this grass grows grass territory. And our, our experience shows, and we can look across to our dairy farmers and see what they say about stuff like that. And they spend a lot of time in the grass grows grass mode. And again, it's a subject for a whole other discussion. Mm. But we know that every blade of grass is like a solar panel and will generate a whole lot more pasture. We, we think we probably grow something like 20% more pasture. That is massive um, uh, in the context of you know, <laughs> making money. And so systemisation affords us all of these sorts of things. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, um, yeah I'd, I'd like just to say rotation length is king mm-hmm. in this. It is absolute king. Mm. So mm. Richard talked, you know, his system to get that road long rotation length over winter is a crop, effectively. Yes. Um, and we've touched on that. So there's going to be issues. I mean, crop, cattle on crop are an issue in and of themselves, whether it's bulls, dairy cows, you name it at the Definitely. moment. There's that issue. Um, are you thinking even in what you've seen this part of the country, an all-grass winter is feasible and would be preferable? Hmm. So it's, do, I this need, is, do I this need to separate you two? <laughs> no. no, not at no. all, because we had a great discussion on this yesterday mm-hmm. with the farmer RMPP group that yep. Richard is uh, part of. Well, you can be in that group, I think. Do you? No? <laughs> Whatever. Just leave. You <laughs> just, just, leave. Just, just lead them. <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, we had a great discussion on it, and what I was suggesting is that there is this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, do I know much about farming in South and No. Um, or We're Otago not or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. South or Otago. Um, but we do know, if we look at your pasture profile, um, and we think of some of the pasture profiles we have in the North Island, and I'm thinking particularly of, say, the Rangitaki Plains, they're very similar, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so, and I know that the pressure is on you South Island farmers mm. to be looking more toward all-grass all mm. systems. And so here's an opportunity. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and it's it's a big subject um, topic, is it not, Richard? Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> and then you know, growing crops is a big expense. Mm. Mm. What was the? Uh, you're talking to a bunch of the farmers down here. I imagine nearly all of them have a winter crop. Yes. Mm. Yep. I mean, is it something they actually thought was feasible or possible, or do they feel they've been forced into it by environmental regulations, or could they actually see... I mean, Bob, you're talking about it as an opportunity rather than a, yeah. avoiding a cost. You're saying this is a better way to run the system. Well, it's another way, yep. and, um, and I think it's a way that uh, should be considered. Mm-hmm. Now, what I did notice is that there's big emphasis on one winter, and you get that mm-hmm. because the cost of wintering down here mm. is big time. Um, and so... But, but you have to think differently, so... You can do the one winter system with a crop because you can keep your bulls growing, mm. or your cattle, or yeah. whatever. You can keep them growing yep. over winter. 
Whereas if you go to the two wind system, you've got a, and all, all pasture, you have to close them down because mm. you have to deal with the pasture growth rate that you yep. have for your property. Yes. Yep. Um, so there it is. Um, so it's another way, a different way of approaching the same challenge. Mm. But it will mean carrying bulls for the second, or cattle, I should hasten there, because this can apply mm. not just to bulls, we're talking about cattle yep. finishing generally. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's another way of looking at it, and I'm, I'm thinking um, it'd be something to be worthwhile uh, modelling and, and working through. So you're talking the, I mean, on the all ground, they're basically just on maintenance, zero live weight gain or... Exactly. Yeah. So, so, and that introduces a whole other mm. subject area, but, but with big bulls, yes, they're close to maintenance, mm-hmm. very close. With little bulls, we do need to grow them a bit, mm-hmm. and so we'll, we'll be satisfied, though, with 0.3 of a kilo live weight gain a day. But remember, they're getting mm. regular feeding every two days, yep. they've got a new break, um, and so they're getting a little and often mm. type approach, which cattle tend to love, but it is, um, it's not irregular, it's regular feeding, mm. and they're creatures of habit, and they, they adapt into that really, really well. Mm. Um, yeah. And you can open the gates, of course, as soon as you come up towards spring. What you're trying to do is have enough eating mm. power in your winter to be able to eat most mm-hmm. all of the spring and early summer. So you're now not having to conserve feed and have the cost of making it and then the cost of feeding it back out again. So you still, yeah, you said around about 0.3 of a kilo live weight gain. On little bulls. Yeah, on little bulls. Yeah. Mm. What do you target on the, that first um, one? Reality is if I could get 0.6, 0.7. Yeah. 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 So, so in a fast track system mm. where you're finishing on one winter, you have to grow them at those sorts of rates mm. to make it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And, that's, and could you do what Richard, those sorts of target live weight gains on an all grass system? Yes, you can, yeah. but you end up with the summer feed surplus, which you have to try and deal with. Because um, you're carrying a lower stock Yeah, because you just haven't yep. got the eating power. Yep. You can't yeah. hope to eat it. So you have to have some other mm. policy uh, to, mm. to join that one, a, a brother policy, if you like, um, to yep. be able to cope with that. Mm. In some cases, of course, it's, it's making um, hay and or silage. Um, yeah. um, another option we're looking at in the North Island is deferred grazing, mm-hmm. um, and that is another subject area. Um, we, we think that might have a little bit of promise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you feeding supplements yours? Yes. Richard? Yep. Yep. All right. So, so just, can yep. I just ask one question? So when the bulls go as 24 months... You know, they're actually older than that, aren't they? 28, yeah. 28, mm. 28 months. So then you're bringing your yearlings into that, that area they were there and the calves. Because yeah. potentially there's, you know, we could go quite a surplus. If we have a really good autumn, we could have you know, a really good surplus in front. We wouldn't have the animals to eat it, but you're just carrying that forward through to that winter. Yeah. So we, get, we can get an overlap because we've got the little boys' calves coming in and not yet sold our yearlings or moved them up into the R2 yep. area or not sold our R2s. And so we get that overlap and feed them on. That copes for some of that extra. Um, and then it's a great debate. Do you actually bring in the calves as calves, that like as at 100 kilos in the spring, mm. or do you wait until the autumn? So you have all those sorts of discussions. Yeah. Um, then, you know, there's the internal parasite challenges and all of that as well. 
but mm -hmm. that applies to any um, system. Yeah, you have those sorts of things yeah. to think about. Yeah. yeah. No, internal parasites is a whole extra issue, but we've got <laughs> a, an, an entire podcast with Dave Lethwick. So if there's a question on uh, internal parasites that he doesn't answer in that, then it probably hasn't been thought of yet. Well, no, he's Doctor Parasites, mm -hmm. and so he's the man to listen to. So small plug: <laughs> check out the uh, podcast with Dave Lethwick here on the channel as well. Oh, I don't know whether you sort of went into the deferred grazing stuff there, Bob. As soon as you brought it up, and we're, this one's sort of going all all different places. This podcast, you, you're basically just shutting stuff up and carrying it through till. Mm. Winter grazing, or, or so I mention it yep. because it's something we need to learn a little bit more about. Mm. So there's a project up in the Waikato mm -hmm. around deferred grazing on sheep and beef farms. It's been looked at in the past. When you're mm. old and grey like me, you know that some mm. of that work's already been done, and we sort of put it aside. But it's been re-looked at again, and it's sort of in that sort of regenerative type mm. thinking mode. But we're thinking more about it in just a practical way mm. of being able to manage a surplus without detriment to your farm. Uh, the early work that we're seeing on it looks to be positive. And so we can defer an area mm. where we just won't touch it and we'll bring that back and we'll graze it before going into winter. Okay. And it'll yeah. help us going into winter because it'll take us quite a while to graze mm -hmm. that huge amount of pasture mass and it's going to be like four tonne of dry matter yep. sitting or more sitting in front of us mm -hmm. and we'll just ration that off, it's particularly mm -hmm. useful for big bulls mm -hmm. and, and while we're doing that we're building up pasture cover because mm. in these environments where you've got a 150 day winter if you don't get your pasture cover in March and April you're stuffed, mm -hmm. um, you've yep. got to make it then, uh, likewise on the, the central plateau mm -hmm. in the North Island. Mm. Yep. So it's another way of bending mm -hmm. that supply curve but rather than having the mouths on hand to eat it in spring mm. you're just shutting it up and carrying it through that's right yep. mm. and there's some I understand this I mean in your environment part of the thinking around that was some stuff for facial eczema and that you shut that up but you keep the rest of the place a bit lower cover so you're less no dead matter and all the things with facial eczema yeah, it was not so much to do with facial eczema it's more about maintaining pasture quality mm -hmm. on you know 80% of your land yep. Um, so that's in great shape, mm. um, and then just letting that other 10 or whatever. Mm. We haven't worked out what that percentage is, that's the yeah. bit we need to do. Right. <laughs> Watch this space, and when the information comes available, we'll make sure it's available through our various channels. But part of, I think, what we're talking here is, is um, the opportunities within these systems, but the fact also some of the threats or the weaknesses are becoming looked at, particularly in cattle farming, and we're going to have to change what we do, whether it's um, move away from crop or... The, uh, the number of cattle per hectare, and we've talked about some of the rules around set stocking and these sorts of things that we've got there. Um, what else around systems and day-to-day -day management? Is there any, Richard, you've talked a bit about how you do it, um, the size, the mob size, taking off those that are struggling and having a odds and sods mob or a bits and pieces mob. I think those that, some animals don't compete well with other. Well, we had a power cut. <laughs> and, uh, um, they actually got back in with... Uh, oh. The other 68, we had two out, and they got back in. Um, and so they're now in, in one mob <laughs> of 35, which are causing me grief because I really, really? they're starting to settle down now, but they've probably been you know, like that for a month. Yeah. Which is, yeah. But by and large, you keep an eye. If you see one struggling, you'll just take them out and have a. Just in the winter, as, a, as, okay. as um, that first winter. But you'll normally then put them back in. No, uh, it's no, you generally can't. Yeah, and that's where they having a small mob is an issue. Mm. Especially, I've got quite a few heifers. You know, we've got dairy heifers and uh, beef heifers, and you know, it get, does get tricky where they can run. Mm -hmm. 
There's a couple of possible solutions there, Richard, and some actually colour tag their uh, bulls by mob. So yes. when that happens, it's just easy they can do it on site. Mm. And others will bring them back to the yard because they know the EID of the bulls in each of the mobs, and I'll just redraft them. Yeah, well, these these two are the ones that were getting picked on, so oh, removed okay. in yeah. the winter. Mm. They made their and way back in. They yeah. wanted to get back in. And mm. Yeah, and mixing them together is, yeah. Yeah, but okay. that's why you're saying they sometimes mix themselves. Yes. Um, you want to be able to sort them back up. And and I did, but I it's amazing when you get into these bull discussion forums how some farmers have addressed those sorts mm. of issues and the, the knowledge that's in those groups is amazing. Mm. Um, about how you actually resolve some of those sorts of things. So again, it's a whole other subject yep, area. Yep. And I encourage if you're in bull farming to be in groups where people are actually sharing their uh, practical experience about how to manage them. Like for example, there's issues around um, labour, um, it can be, and health and safety is another mm. area that's mentioned quite a lot. And again, in groups of farmers, you know, the solutions, Richard's already remembered, if this already reminded us, if you've got a bull that's showing bad behaviour, will you assert your dominance over that bull and make sure he understands mm -hmm. that you're running the show and not him? Um, stuff like that. Um, but how, do you, how do you do that? <laughs> Wag a finger in his face? Or you you got other more forceful ways of telling the bulls who's boss? Um, there was a, I do have the odd Jersey cross, mm -hmm. and yep. he was sizing me up when I was winding up the fence one day, he did that two days in a row. So I walked over to the stand and gave him a clout on the head. And, so and, you don't do that anymore? And he ne he's never, never, never done, done it again. since. Yep. But it's just, yeah, you can't let them away if anything. Yep. Take an inch, they'll, so give them an inch, they'll take them all. other possible issue that people raise is labour. Mm -hmm. It can be boring. You know, it's just like milking cows every day, it can get boring. Mm. Um, but like what I encourage people to think about um, is, is, is that if you're thinking about pasture management for young people, it's the best training ground in the world. Mm. Because you can be looking at what pasture allocation am I giving them, mm -hmm. you know, how are the bull's coping with this visually, and if you're doing a little bit of monitoring like live weight mm. monitoring, Am I on target? Yeah. Am I doing what I'm saying I'm mm -hmm. doing? You've got all those sorts of things going on. Is there a scope for me to actually increase my stocking rate or is it too high? Mm. Do I need to pull it back a little bit? You can be thinking all those sorts yep. of things. We've got a very cool process in Farmax where you can put each of those systems in a farmlet and so you can monitor mm -hmm. how they're performing one against another. And uh, that is a really cool process. Mm. And, and there can be competition um, between <laughs> on the same farm or between farms. Mm -hmm. And like, how well am I going with my system and yep. what's causing me to get a bit of an edge uh, in mm. my system over you and your system? Yep. That yep. sort of thing. So mm. it needn't be boring at all. Yep. Um, if, it, it can be, though, if it's just, I'm just going to, you're going to shift balls from A to B to C to D mm. and et cetera. Yep. Yeah? Over and over. Mm. But then, you know, you said a bit like uh, the milking, it has that, and we touched on in the first podcast, the advantages, it is quite similar to way to milking cows, you have one class of stock yeah. doing one thing, you can yeah. actually get quite objective and measure the outcomes much yes. better than we can in some of our mixed so systems. So it can be a great training ground, it's a, it can be a great part-time job for somebody maybe um, that has been out of the workforce and, and is looking to go back and but not quite ready, um, and they might want to work a half a day. And so there'll be people in the neighbourhood that may have that capacity. 
So that's um, why you're in Bulls, Richard, just because it's part time. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew's going to hear this, and you're going to be I'm talking about part time help. <laughs> no rule system. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, I might wrap this one up. This yeah. we've covered a bit. I've got a few other topics we're going to do, but we did say these were going to be slightly shorter ones. So we'll, we'll call this one to a close, and then our third podcast, we're going to talk about some of the specifics around little things like water, fertilizer management, and then no doubt Bob's got a heap of other notes here already. So there'll be other curveballs he'll throw in. So we'll be back <laughs> with that next one shortly.